listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I'm dealing with today seven people you need to unfriend immediately. Seven people you need to unfriend immediately. We're talking about friendships today, relationships. I'm not talking about romantic relationships. We're talking about friendships. Hey, Ro, uh, we're talking about the importance of who's around you on a daily basis. Who do you consider to be your friends? Who's speaking into your life? Who are you spending time with? These things are extremely important. You've probably heard it said before um, that you become the average of the five people that you hang around the most. And um, it's good to often examine um, who's around you, who you allow to be in your life. Who do you allow to speak to you? Who do you allow to spend time with you? Um, and so seven qualities we want to deal with today. And if your friends, if, you're, if the people that are in your life don't exhibit these qualities, you've got to really take a hard look at who you allow to be around you. Here's why. First of all, everybody that's a productive uh, believer, everybody that's, uh, you know, doing anything impactful in the kingdom has the same type of mindset. And that is an urgency mindset uh, that time is short. Time is running out. We live as though Jesus could come today, right? And so there's an urgency that is um, in every one of us who are doing anything for the Lord that it has to be there. That's a Christ-like quality. In fact, Jesus put that uh, that quality or that mindset into his disciples. And I've quoted it here on the broadcast many times, John 9, 4. We must work while it's still daytime for the night is coming where no man can work. That means time's running out, that there's a limited time to do what God's called us to do. The people that are in your life will either help you get there or they will delay you from going there. And some of them will prevent you completely from going there. When I say going there, I mean accomplishing what God's called you to do. I don't need people in my life. I'm like Caitlin. She put in the comments, I have a very small circle. Um, I feel like Caitlin does in that I don't want everybody to be around me. I want only those that are going to be um, on my same wavelength, if you will, to be in my life. Morning, Ted. Love you, Ashley. And so I want to cover these seven things. They need to be, uh, think of it as like a checklist, if you will, for the friends that you have. Think of it as a checklist that I need to examine my, my friendships. I need to examine my relationships and see what's going on. If I have, if I have people in my life that are always causing a problem, they're always carrying around drama. There's always an issue somewhere in, in, in my friendships. What's going on with that? Why is that? And, um, you know, I've, I've made the choice and I'm sure you've done the same. I've made the choice to specifically separate myself uh, from certain people because I've looked at those relationships and realized that the things I'm going to talk about today were not present in those relationships. 
weren't present in those friendships, weren't present in those people's lives. And let me tell you something, time is too short. Doesn't mean you don't love people. It doesn't mean that you don't hope that they do well. Doesn't mean you stop praying for them. It doesn't mean that you, um, you know, if they needed help, you wouldn't help them. It doesn't mean any of those things. It just means I'm going to be careful with who I allow into my circle, into my life. I'm going to be careful which voices I allow around me, my family, my children. I'm going to be very careful about those things because they matter a lot. They matter a lot. And so I want to give you these uh, seven things today. And uh, we, we said in the, in, the, in the title, seven people you should unfriend now, immediately. And so Brooke, Brooke's getting it in the comments. Do they take from you or do they add to your life? Do you leave them feel, feel, feeling filled or feeling drained? That's a great test uh, with people that are around you. Do you leave their presence feeling, feeling filled up, ready to take the world? Or do you leave their presence feeling like, man, I need a shower. <laughs> or, or man, I need to go rest. You don't want to feel that when you leave someone's presence. And then, and then allow that to be around your life every single day. Uh, the other thing is, here's, a, here's an interesting test. You ever have somebody call you on the phone and you're like, oh, geez, here we go again with this guy or this girl. You know, it's like just seeing their name annoys you. <laughs> have you ever seen that? Just seeing their name annoys you. By the way, put a hand up in the comments if that's you, that somebody can call your phone. You've had that happen. And just seeing their name come up on your phone is enough for you to be like, oh, geez, I want to talk to this person today. It's like, that's a sign. You know, I don't know why people keep other people in their life when they feel like that. It's like, oh, geez, you got to listen to this person again. And, and I know what's going to happen today. We're going to have people that are going to, in the comments, be like, what if the person's related to you? There it is, I, before I could even say it. <laughs> before I could even say it. Say, so what if they're in your family? Listen, I understand that that happens to some people. The person's in your family. You're related to them. Listen, someone said, because that person's my mom. <laughs> oh my God. I can't believe it. Don't put it in the comments. What are you doing? <laughs> your mom might be watching. Um, <laughs> that's right, Veronica. Healthy boundaries. Um, it doesn't mean that you don't love them. <laughs> Caitlin said, you know, for me, that person always calls during your broadcast. No lie. <laughs> We're getting into trouble this morning on the broadcast. Um, but in all honesty, you've had that happen. It's like every time they call, you're like, oh, geez, I don't want to talk to this person again. It's always drama. It's always a problem. There's always something wrong. You know what I mean? That should be a sign to you that it's like, come on. What is going on? So I want to deal with these seven qualities. Your friends should have these. Your friends should have these, or at least the majority of them. You know, everybody, God's still working on people. They're still being matured in the faith. I understand that they may not have all these seven, but they should at some point in their life have all seven of these working in their life. And so let's, let's run through these seven today. This will, that's right, Cameron, love them from a distance. Nothing wrong with that. You don't have to spend every waking moment with these people. Um, and, and for me, I've just made up my mind. See, here's why. Do you think your calling's important? Do you think that your um, purpose is, a, is important? If it is, you got to guard it. Guard your purpose. 
Uh, put it in the comments. First thing to put in the comments today. I must guard my purpose. Put that in the comments. Your life is important. You are important. You are anointed. You have a call on your life. I must guard my purpose. Hear me. You're not, you're not a nobody. And don't ever let the devil make you feel like you're a nobody. You're not. You're anointed. You're called by God. You've got a purpose and you've got to guard your purpose. And remember something, time is the most valuable resource that you have. Time is the most valuable resource that you have. It can't be squandered by people that literally just want to come into your life and waste your time. There literally are people that will come into your life. The enemy will send them that want to come into your life and just squander your time and squander your resources. I promise you. I know many of you have dealt with people like that. They just want to come into your life, squander your time, squander your resources. You're anointed. You've got a purpose. You're called. Don't allow that to happen. View yourself as more important than allowing your time to be wasted. Amen. Because what you're doing for the Lord must be completed before Jesus comes. That's so right, Brooke. She said, Satan wants nothing more than for you to be distracted and delay your purpose or even cancel your purpose. And that's exactly right. It's exactly right. So you have to guard your time. You have to guard your relationships fiercely or else if you don't, then anything can happen. Anyone can come in. There's no wall. There's, there's just constant breaches of your peace, breaches of your joy, breach, breaches of your productivity. And so you have to, have to guard your relationships. Deborah said, please don't unfriend me, Ted. <laughs> you must guard your purpose. So let's go through these seven. They need to be present in your relationships. Are you ready? All these seven things that I'm going to read, your friends should be. Are you ready? Put them in the comments. Number one, your friends should be an encourager should be an encourager. That's number one. That needs to be present in your friends. I need an encourager as a friend. I don't need people who are constantly tearing me down. Why would a friend even do that? But friends do it to people. There are people that come in and they're supposed to be your friend, but they're constantly tearing you down. They're constantly telling you it's not possible. They're constantly telling you you shouldn't get your hopes up. You should, uh, let me tell you something. I know you really want to start that business, but if I were you, I wouldn't really, I wouldn't. Now's not the time. Why is it that people who call themselves your friends are constantly discouraging you instead of encouraging you? They shouldn't be discouraging you. That's right. Brian Rambler said some pastors too. They shouldn't be discouraging you. That's why, let me just tell you something. If I have ever experienced a person that, and it's very rare, but they're constantly speaking doubt to me. They're constantly discouraging me. I don't take their calls. I don't talk to them. I don't hang with them. I don't need, my purpose is too important. My call, same with yours, too important to allow people to just come in and constantly discourage what God's called me to do. If I have people that are just discouraging me, bye. I don't have time for that. I need people around me that will encourage me. Now, I don't mean yes men and yes women that are just constantly telling me that everything I'm doing is the greatest. Now, I don't, I don't mean that. I don't mean that. 
Because I don't need people that will just blindly tell me that every choice I make is the best choice you could have ever made. I don't need yes men. I don't need yes women around me. I need people that will challenge my thought process. I need people that will challenge, that will ask penetrating questions, that will tell me, hey, have you ever thought about it from this angle? Have you thought about this strategy? I need people that will challenge my, my methods, my strategies. You know, they'll ask penetrating questions. They'll help me develop what God's called me to do. But I don't need discouragers. I don't need discouragers. There's a big difference between uh, constructive criticism and discouragement. Big difference. Listen to this. This will help you immensely. There's a big difference between destructive criticism and constructive criticism. Destructive criticism and constructive criticism. Some things don't help you at all. It's just a discouragement. There's there's a big difference between the two. Um, Constructive criticism will actually show you what you can do in that area to go higher. Whereas destructive criticism is just tearing what you did down. Just tearing your efforts down. Discouraging you from taking further action. I don't need that. If I, if I am going to get constructive criticism, it should immediately show me how to increase what God's called me to do. Amen. I, I've often said this quote, it would be great to put in the comments. It would be great to put in your notes. Um, never take constructive criticism from anyone who's never constructed anything. <laughs> never take constructive criticism from someone who's never constructed anything. If they've never built something, then why would I care about their opinion on how to build that thing? Don't take constructive criticism from people that have never constructed anything. It's like an armchair quarterback, you know, sitting there, you know, 110 pounds overweight with, you know, nacho cheese on their face, screaming at Tom Brady on on the television because I would have never made that pass. You've never made any passes in the NFL. You've never made one pass in the NFL. Why would they care about anything you have to say? There's always going to be somebody that steps in like, you know, let me, let me give you a little advice. You know what I would do if I were you, you've never done what I'm doing. You've never done what I'm doing. So why would I care about any of that kind of constructive criticism? You've never constructed anything. And I'll, I know people may listen to this and be like, man, that's harsh, brother Ted. That sounds harsh that you would take things people say and treat it that way. No, no, it's not harsh. It's actually overstepping uh, your boundaries for you to step up and give people uh, advice on something you've never done. I can't imagine doing that to someone. I mean, we laugh if we think about it from the most uh, extreme examples, but can you imagine me wandering into an operating room in a hospital? Like, let me tell you what I'd do if I was cutting out that tumor. I've I've never operated on anybody. It would be ridiculous for me to like wander into the operation room. I mean, security would take me out in handcuffs. Like, actually, let me give you, I'd hold the scalpel differently if it was me. I've never held a scalpel. I've never performed a surgery. I can't imagine wandering into a body shop and starting to give criticism about how the mechanics are working on the cars. I wouldn't do it like that if I were you. I've never worked on a car. I don't know what it takes to work on a car. And so it's a stupid thing for me to go and try to give constructive criticism uh, in areas that I've never constructed anything. And the same is true in this area. 
I don't need people coming and trying to destructively criticize or discourage me from something they've never done. And I'll tell you what you'll find is when you're trying to get input from people that actually have done what you're doing, they don't volunteer it because they're usually wise people. And usually you have to pull the information out of them. Normally, you have to approach them and say, hey, do you have any advice on anything that I'm doing? Do you see anything I could be doing better? Normally, you have to get it from them because they're, they're usually wise enough. They wouldn't even volunteer that information to you. It's always going to be somebody that doesn't know what they're doing that shows up and being like, hey, let me tell you, if I were you, I'd do, I'd do it differently. No. No. The, number one, your friends need to be encouragers. They need to be there to encourage you, to build you up. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Hallelujah. So a friend sharpens a friend. Amen. Number two, uh, the second thing about your, your friends, your friends not only need to be encouragers, number two, they need to be builders. They need to be builders. What does that mean? They're not moochers. They're builders. They're building something themselves. They're not just watching you build something. They're building something. We're talking about people that are productive. I want productive people around me, obviously. I want people that are go-getters, people that are self-motivators, people that are builders. I don't want uh, everybody sitting around me that doesn't do anything. They just sit around and, you know, they're coasting through life. I don't need those kinds of friends because if it really is true that I'll become the average of the five people I hang around the most, then those people need to be builders if I'm called to be a builder. And all of us are called to build something because all of us, as I said at the beginning, have a purpose, have a calling. And so the people that are around me, I need them to be builders. I need them to be self-motivators and, and I need them to be uh, people that are constantly looking to produce something new. See, because that's going to rub off on me. I'm going to rub off on them and we're going to encourage each other to go higher. And so I want builders around me. I want people that are, are they have vision. You know, they're, these, these are people that are moving forward. Got to have builders. There's nothing more dangerous in the body of Christ than people that are coasting through life. People that are coasting through their purpose. They're coasting through their call. Nothing more dangerous than that. That's, and someone put in the comments, I can't stand laziness. You know, I understand that. Jesus can't stand laziness. That's the reason you feel that way, you know. It's because it grates against the Christian spirit. It grates against the Christian spirit. Laziness is demonic. Say, are you serious? You really believe lazy? I believe laziness is anti-Christ. Say, how can you say that you believe laziness is anti-Christ? Because when you read the parable of the talents that Jesus uh, gave in Matthew 25, one of the mind-blowing things, and I don't know if people catch this when they read it. I don't know if people just gloss over it, but it strikes me so heavy Every time I read it, 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 it like, it shakes me like into like a new, look at this. I mean, when he comes back and you guys know the, the parable, I'll paraphrase it. Uh, a master was leaving and he had three servants and he gave them talents. He gave one five, he gave one two, and he gave the other one. The one who had five doubled it, got 10. 
gave it to his master when he returned. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. The one who had two doubled it, got four, gave it back to the master. Well done. Got to the one who had one, buried it in the ground. And when his master came, he just returned what was the master's. And you know what he said? And this is mind blowing to me. Is that uh, when he got back to the one who had one, this is uh, Matthew 25, 26. But his master answered him, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I've not sown and gather where I've not scattered seed. You ought to have at least put my money in the bank and invested it so I could have got interest. He said, now take him. And he said, cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Look at how harshly that Jesus dealt with this by a parable. He said to, to the one that was lazy or slothful, he said, you wicked and lazy servant. You worthless servant, cast him into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's how severely Jesus deals with laziness, slothfulness. I don't need lazy, slothful people that I'm always having to pick up their slack around me. I need go-getters, self-motivators, builders in my life. That's who I want to be around. I want them to rub off on me. I want to rub off on them. I don't want to do, because notice, and there are plenty of people in the body of Christ today that are operating in that slothfulness. It's wickedness. It's wickedness. Slothfulness, laziness. And they think it's cool. They're coasting through life. And Jesus is looking at it and thinking, I've given you all these gifts and all these talents. You're not producing. That's wicked. That's wicked. So I don't want that. I want people around me that are workers, that are builders. They're building something. God's got to, you know, I know people like that. And the people that I hang around, even if they have some sort of a job, they're doing something else in their own time. They're building something else in their own time. You know, why? They've got this kind of a spirit that I've got to produce. I've got to build. I'm going higher. That's who I want around me. People that are building something. Should be the same for you. Not just encouragers, number one, but number two, builders. Number three, dreamers. I want people around me that are dreamers. People that are always going higher mentally. That are thinking, you know what, what is, you know, I'm sitting around thinking, what is possible? What is possible? You know, where I'm at right now is not the end. What is possible? Something greater. You know, maybe my family's never experienced it. Maybe you're the first person in your family that was ever saved that ever went to college, that ever was out of debt. But you think, this isn't the end. What else is possible? What else could God do in my life? I need dreamers around me that are are willing to think and say, you know what? Where I'm at is not the end. Where I'm at, this is just a layover to where I'm going. And this is called possibility thinking. Possibility thinking. What else is possible to me? What else? As Jesus said, All things are possible to them that believe. All things are possible to them that believe. What else is possible? What else? You know, see, here's what the devil does. He always tries to make you think like nothing's possible. Because you'll get an idea or an unction from the Lord to do something. And then you'll get this mental image or picture. The enemy tries to discourage you. Oh, that's not possible. That's not possible. You can't do that. You can't get that done. Oh, that's not possible. Oh, oh, no, it's possible. 
First of all, you have the mind of Christ. Second of all, you have the Holy Spirit living in your body and he can teach you all things. I always tell Christians, don't ever say that you can't learn something or you're not good with something or you can't move forward in an area. Don't, don't say that. You have the mind of Christ. You have access to God's ways and his thoughts. Isaiah 55, he said, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. But you know what's awesome? We have access to his ways. We have access to his thoughts. He's not leaving us hanging. We've got access to it. And then to go further, we've got the Holy Ghost living on the inside of us and he teaches us all things. Don't say, well, I'm not good with computers or I'm not good learning this. I'm not good. Don't say that. Say, I have the mind of Christ and I have the ability to increase. I have the ability to learn more quickly than people who don't have the Holy Ghost. You have the ability to learn and retain things even more quickly than those who don't have the Holy Ghost. You have the mind of Christ. And so nothing is impossible to those that believe. And so what does that mean? I need to start dreaming it up. So why do you want, why do you need people to dream? Because if you don't increase your expectation in knowledge, if you don't increase your expectation in manifestation, then you, you can literally limit what God can do in your life by not being a dreamer. I'm going to say that again, because it's a vital, vital point. You can limit what God can do in your life by not being a dreamer. Listen to this promise from Ephesians 3.20, a verse we all know. Now unto him who is able to to do exceeding abundantly and above all that you could ask or think according to the power that works in you. That's the Holy Ghost. Did you notice that part? That he can do more, exceeding abundantly more than you can ask or think. So the Lord's not just telling you, ask bigger. He's also telling you, think bigger. I'm not just going to ask bigger. I'm going to think bigger. Because he said the biggest, imagine this, you have a finite mind. It's limited. Your mind is limited. But God said, whatever you can think up, I can do exceeding abundantly more than not only that you can ask, that you can think. And, and, and you know what the, th- the thing is for most people? Maybe the breakthrough you haven't thought, you have not even imagined yet. Remember this, the imagination part of you is God-given. Put it in the comments today. My imagination is God-given. Put it in the comments. My imagination is God-given. You know, anytime you hear people preaching in church about the imagination... You always hear people talking about only one side of it, you know, casting down imaginations. We're always talking about the negative side of imagination. You ever notice that? When was the last time you heard a preacher preach on the positive side, the godly side, the supernatural side of imagination? You don't hear it, but your imagination is God given. Thank you for putting in the comments. My imagination is God given. You, you never hear preachers preach on the positive side. It's always the negative side. You got to learn to cast down every imagination. You got to learn to take authority over your imagination. You got to learn how to curb your imagination, you know, and those things are true, but that's only one side of your imagination. Remember that your imagination 
is God-given. And because it's God-given, that means that it has supernatural ability to capture what has not yet been produced or manifested. I mean, do you ever think about it? Somebody had the idea to create a touchscreen iPhone. I mean, I can, I can remember back to 2007, watching the keynote and thinking to myself, this is the most, I mean, we're living in like Star Trek days now that like they used to have on the ship, you know, and sit around and have all their stuff and boop and all. It's like, we have it. It's literally, someone had the idea to put all this together in one little package that's touchscreen that can do anything. And now everybody around the world has a smartphone. If you brought this back 50 years ago, you know, not, not 300 years ago, not a thousand years ago. If you brought this back 50 years ago, people would think you had gotten a hold of alien technology. Yeah. Look at AJ he said, I thought my Motorola razor was as good as it could get. And then, and then if you brought this back 50 years ago, take this back to 1980, take this back to 1975 and show this to somebody. They'd think you got a hold of alien technology. They thought, what is that? You know, they'd have thought it was witchcraft 100 years ago, 200 years ago. I mean, this is someone's imagination. Remember that. This is somebody's imagination. Somebody had an idea to create this, and it was no, nobody had heard of it. I mean, the iPhone was so far beyond its competitors when it came out, it took like two to three years for everybody to catch up with what they had already created. Why? Somebody had an imagination. Somebody had an idea and that came through imagination. What's possible? What can be done? What can be done? You know, I, I bet you that almost everybody watching, including myself, that's doing this broadcast have never fully imagined all of the things that God could possibly do in your life. Meaning there are things that we've not even comprehended yet, not even thought of yet that God could and would do in our lives. But you know, let me, let me give you help you with this because I've, I've realized this as I've gotten older, that many people get so caught up in the grind. And I'll tell you what made me, made me think about this even more is I, I picked up a book by John Maxwell called how successful people think it's a small little book. I used to carry it everywhere with me in my briefcase so that even if I was just on a plane somewhere, and this is even before eBooks before the plane somewhere, or, or whatever, traveling in a car, I could pull that book out and just read through chapters of it. And uh, this, this Maxwell book, How Successful People Think, one of, the, one of the areas in the book was successful people think with something called possibility thinking. Possibility thinking. It's just what's, event, what's possible? What could we do? What could we do that we're not doing? What could I do that I'm not doing that would cause us to go higher? Possibility thinking. It's kind of like future brainstorming. Say like, you know, what am I not? But here's the problem. So many people get caught up in the grind of their every day of what they're doing day after day after day after day. They never even put time aside to dream and think. Do you know, you, you should schedule brainstorming sessions every month for your own life. You should schedule dreaming sessions for your own life to sit back and think, well, what else is possible? What else could I do with my life, with my time? What else could I do? What else, what else could I put my hand to? I've got extra time. I, you know, I'm wasting a lot of time just doing other stuff that's meaningless. What if I took back that time 
And what could I set my hand to do with the help of God that would produce even more for my family, produce even more for my future? That's possibility thinking. That is imagination. It's dreamers. That's what dreamers do. They sit and think, what is possible? What could I do? Um, S. Truett Cathy that, that launched Chick-fil-A used to take, and this is from that John Maxwell book, he used to take the first Monday of every month to plan out the next 40 days of his life and their business. The first Monday of each month, he took the full eight-hour workday, told his secretary, hold every call. Don't let anybody in my office, don't send any calls to me. I'm going to take this time, eight hours, to plan out the next 40 days of my life in this business. And the reason he did 40 days instead of 30 is because he said it gave him a 10-day buffer period for the next planning session. Amen. And let me tell you something. What was he doing? He was sitting there thinking, dreaming. What could we do next? What could take us higher? That's, that's, that's being a dreamer. I need the people around me not to just be encouragers, not just to be builders, but to be dreamers. I need to sit back and think. You know, I guarantee you there are things in my ministry right now that I'm going to dream up within the next month that, I have, that I'm, we're not doing right now, that we could be doing, that we could go to another level if we would just do some new things that God will give us. Plus, don't forget, we have the Holy Spirit who gives us ideas, who gives us inspiration, who leads us by his spirit. Amen. Amen. It's just an idea. Dreaming, 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 being led by the Holy Ghost. Number four, I need my friends to be believers. And I don't just mean Christians. Obviously, your friends should be Christians. But number four, believer. I need my friend to be a believer. And I don't just mean a Christian, a believer in Christ. I mean somebody who has the predisposition to believe. I can't even stress how important this is in a friend. Has the predisposition to believe. And I don't just mean optimistic, although that's part of it. I don't just mean optimistic, but I'm talking about people that there, there, there are those who, uh, now let me, let me ask it this way. Have you encountered people before that you could present something to them? You could present an idea, a plan, a strategy, an option. And you've got somebody who says, I, yes, I mean, they're, they're willing to jump on. They see the possibility of that. And they're like, yes, I think we need to develop that. There are some who are believers, that predisposition to believe that, to latch onto it. Then there's others who have the predisposition, and I believe you can train this in yourself, have the predisposition to just drop back and say, I don't, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. I see a lot of, I see a lot of problems with that. I see, there's two kinds of people. There are people that are believers and people that are unbelievers. There are people that will latch on to something and say, yeah, 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 I can see where that would work. I can see how we could make, may take some tweaking, may take some rearranging, might take some strategy, but I can see how that would, how that would be beneficial. I can see how that would work. Then there's the other people like, I don't know, man. I, I just, you know, I, I think there's probably, and there's always something negative coming from them, but I need the believers around me. Doesn't mean that the thing that I present, the reason I put this right after dreamer is because a lot of times what will happen is you'll get that idea, you'll get that, that inspiration, that spark of creativity, and then if you've got the wrong people around you, then what will happen is you present that idea and you've got people, ah, you know, I don't know. They're immediately raining on the parade. 
they're immediately taking the wind out of your sails. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not sure that'd be the best idea. I need people like, yes, that is, that is a good idea. Let's go further with that. Let's, let's think about how we could make that a reality. What is it going to take to, to see that come to pass? You know, I, I can see there's some challenges, but we could work around, get a strategy, make sure that those don't affect the idea. I need believers. I believe in what we're doing. I believe in the ideas that we're having. I believe in the dreams that we got going on. Again, these aren't yes men and yes women, but these are people who believe that what God's given you in your heart can come to pass. And again, this is not, when I say number four, my friends need to be a believer. I don't mean just a believer in Christ. Our friends should all be believers in Christ. Let me just say that. There should not be friends that are attached to us on a daily basis that are speaking into our lives, hanging with us, that are unbelievers. They don't follow Jesus. That's terrible. It's not that we don't love unbelievers. It's that why would I tie my life to somebody who's going in an opposite direction and doesn't care about serving Jesus? Why would I tie myself in with someone like that? You know what that's going to provide for you? Friction every day. You're pulling one way, they're pulling another, and you're linked, and it's just going to be friction constantly. Constant friction. So yes, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever, but I'm talking about believers in what God's given you, your purpose, your call, your whatever. These are people, hear me, these are people who will not despise the day of small beginnings. They won't, they won't come and say, oh, I thought it was going to be a lot bigger than this. I thought it was going to be a lot more successful. No. These are people that will not despise the day of small beginnings. Amen. These are people that will rejoice to see the work begin. Wow. You just launched out. You just published your first website. Way to go, man. Way to go. Oh, you just put your first business cards together. Oh, way to go. Oh, you got your, oh, you got your, uh, you got your C Corp launched. You got your LLC launched. Way to go. Oh man. So proud of you. You're ready for next steps now. What can we do next? Oh yeah, we got your first, you locked in your first client. Way to go. I need believers, people that are pushing, that are like, yes, this is not only possible, it's probable. It's probable. And they don't despise the day of small beginnings. Like the Bible says, they are, they rejoice to see the work begin. That's who I need around me. Not just dreamers, believers. What good does it do to have a dream if everybody around you kills it? If everybody around you talks it down to the point you don't even attempt it. I don't just need dreamers around me. I need believers around me. Amen. That's right, Britt. Those people are invaluable. You've got to have them. You've got to have them. Yes, they've got your back and they believe in your future. So good. You got to have it. That's number four. Number five, I need people in my life that are givers. I need givers surrounding me. You know why? I'm a giver. I am a lavish giver, a generous giver. I need those people around me as well. It'll push me to even be a greater giver than I am right now. And that's what I want. I want to be pushed into greater levels of giving than I'm at right now. Because let me tell you, everything's going to revolve around this uh, concept of whether or not I am a giver. Am I a sower? Is seed leaving my hand on a consistent basis? Not just seed, significant seed. Is it leaving my hand on a consistent basis? If it's not, I've got a problem. I've got a problem and I need to, re, I need to rethink this. I need to see who's around me. I don't want stingy people around me. I can't 
stand stinginess. I can't stand stinginess. It's one of the biggest uh, pet peeves of my life. Seeing people that are stingy, tight wads. I can't stand it. People don't tip well. It's, it's people always pinching every penny. It's one thing to be a steward. It's another thing to be tight. And I'm going to tell you what. I'm looking for generous people around me. Generous people around me. I can't stand. If you go out to eat with me, you will, you will have an extremely hard time getting the check. People fight me. They will fight me. Because I'm not, I want to be the one blessing you. That's my desire. My desire is I want to bless you. Anybody that's been out with me knows that. You're going to, you're going to fight with me to get that. We've had, we've had almost, we've had actual almost fist fights. (laughs) Not that we would get into fist fights, but we've seen some conflict because, and then, and then you got to get sneakier and sneakier. You got to go, you got to go to the bathroom in the middle of the meal, find the waiter and give him the card. I mean, you got to show up early. I've had people that have showed up early on purpose just to give the way to the card because they know I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. And then I'll come up with every excuse to get their card back from the waiter. Like, listen, don't let them pay for this meal. They just, I just got them out of jail. They just got out of jail today. They have no money left on their, uh, you you need to let me pay for this. They just get getting back on their feet. (laughs) I'll do whatever I can. I want the check. I want to be generous. I want to bless you. I want to bless you. All, yeah, always. It's interesting. Anytime time the bill comes and people, people are heading to the bathroom. I got to go to the restroom. I'll be back in a minute. <laughs> I'll, I'll be back. I got, I got to take a call real quick. Somebody just called me. No, I want to be generous. Why? That's how. The Lord is. That's how the Lord is. God so loved the world that he gave. That's the thing we see. For God so loved the world that he gave. He's a giver. He didn't just give Jesus. He gave the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Gave the Holy Spirit. He gave gifts unto men. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. He gave the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. He's a giver. God is a giver. That should be reflected in you. And the people around you should be givers. I got no time for stingy people, greedy people, people that are always holding back. The Bible says there is one that withholds and it tends to poverty. Tends to poverty. Withholding tends to poverty. There there is a system of seed time and harvest at work in the world and God set that thing in motion so that there would be blessing available. Supernatural blessing available. And I refuse, I refuse to be stingy. I refuse to be stingy. David Todd said, you lie to the waiter. (laughs) We let him know it's a joke. We don't, we don't actually lie to the waiter, but you know, you never know if it's necessary. I'm willing to go to hell to pay for this bill. I'm kidding. Um, I don't want stingy people around me. I want people that are generous givers surrounding me, surrounding my family, surrounding this ministry, because that's who we are. We are givers. We are generous 
givers. Number six, you know who I want around me? Peacemakers. Peacemakers. Let me tell you, one of the things that is uh, a massive problem is people that thrive on drama. People that thrive on drama. I, I can't deal with it. I can't stand it. People that are always in a problem with somebody. Oh, did you hear what he said? You know, I can't stand him. You know the problem? I can't stand people that thrive on drama. I got to have peacemakers surrounding my life. My friends should be people at peace. My wife and I made up our minds. Our uh, house is not going to be a house filled with turmoil, filled with issues, filled with problems. I'm not going to allow it. We're not going to have constant anxiety, depression, and problems, and, and, and uh, you know, fighting and tension and, uh, you know, drama all the time. I don't want that. I don't want that. We'll leave it at the door. Leave it at the door. There's, I, I've been around people who, it doesn't matter when you're around them, they always have an issue with somebody. It's so exhausting. It is so exhausting to be around somebody that just constantly has issues with everyone, drama with everyone. You can't make them happy. You can't make them happy. Yeah, and Brooke said, you gotta safeguard your kids from people like that. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. You have to safeguard your children and your family and yourself. That's the point. That's right, drama and gossip, it consumes a whole community. You're exactly right. That's why I can't deal with that. I can't deal with that. It bothers me so much to have people that are always, it's like, can you not just chill? Just chill out. Just chill out. The Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers. So those that are not making peace are not blessed. Blessed are the peacemakers. They make peace. I want that. I want peace in my life. I want peace around me. Carolyn did a broadcast at one point called Plan for Peace. Plan for Peace. I want peace in my life. I want people around me at peace. I have a hard time. You know, I'm pretty much up all the time, meaning I can't remember a time where I've been depressed. I can't remember a time when I've been discouraged. I can't remember a time. And I know that's a blessing and it's, it's a, it's a, it's a spiritual thing. My wife has said that I I can't remember a time my husband was discouraged when he was down or depressed or, you know, anxious or whatever. And that's, that's pretty much where I stay. I I don't remember a time either. I, I stay at that place, but because I do, it really bothers me to be around people that are always anxious about stuff that are always, um, you know, not just anxious, but people that are constantly upset about things, people that are constantly mad about things, or, you know, it's just like, I have a hard time. I've been around people growing up that were emotional roller coasters, been around those types of people. I used to work when I worked at MasterCard when I was in college. I worked with people on my team that were like that. And it's like one of the worst feelings of your day is coming into work and trying to figure out which mood people were in that day. It's, it's exhausting. It's exhausting to try to, to live that way. And so I just made up my mind. I, I want people around me that are at peace and they're peacemakers. People that have uh, no problem getting along with other people. You know, I want, <laughs> I want happy people around me. You know, I, I could sit and read you 
uh, what I believe is the culture of our ministry. Uh, but one of those things is happy. Our, our people are happy people. Jeff is right. Jeff Van Hoos. Sometimes it's a spirit of heaviness. You better believe it. And you got to take authority over it. You got to praise and you got to worship and you got to pray and you got to get into the, to the spirit of joy, which is an anointing according to scripture. The Bible calls it the oil of gladness. And you have to uh, put on a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And so you have to throw it off. But, you know, I made up my mind. We're going to be joyful people in this culture, in this community of this miracle word community. We're joyful people. We're happy. We're not bitter. We're not holding things against people. No, we love people and we keep ourselves in a place of victory, in a place of joy, in a place of peace. Amen. And so I want peacemakers around me. And then finally, number seven, the seven attribute, the seventh attribute your friends should have. I want them to be a soul winner. I want soul winners in my life. I need encouragers. I need builders, dreamers, believers, givers, peacemakers, and soul winners. Soul winners. The Bible says that he that wins souls is wise. He that wins souls is wise. My grandfather used to say, and he that doesn't is otherwise. (laughs) It's important to be a soul winner. This is God's number one priority. Number one priority is souls. Seeing people saved. Seeing people changed by the power of the almighty God. Soul winners. That's what we need. We need soul winners. And so uh, that urgency that we talked about at the beginning, that's one of the things that plays into whether or not you're going to be a soul winner. If you don't see any urgency, if you don't understand that eternity is coming, if you don't understand that time is running out, if you don't have a love for people, if you don't have a compassion for people with that urgency combined, you'll never be an effective soul winner. And I want the people around me to be soul winners, just like I am. Or see people come to Jesus constantly, but we want others around us to be that way as well, to have a heart for the lost. Do you, you know, do you know that being a soul winner affects my giving? That's an interesting thought. Being a soul winner affects even my giving, whether or not, uh, or how much, how, how generously I sow, how significant my seeds are. They're based upon my love for God and his plan, his purpose. Hallelujah. I have to take a long and a hard look at the people that are in my life. Once again, they should be encouragers. They should be builders. They should be dreamers. They should be believers. They should be givers, peacemakers, soul winners. Hallelujah. Why? Because I want to make sure that the people that I'm allowing in my life, and I'm allowing them to have some of my time, which is the most valuable resource there is, that that is, I'm actually being a steward of my time by allowing those people to be in my life. We have to have that. We have to be introspective on that. Let me tell you, there's uh, people that the enemy will send your way, just like the Lord will send people your way. The enemy will send people your way. Why? To try to steal your time, your purpose, what God's called you to do. And today I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that people that the enemy has sent to destroy your life, just like Nehemiah. He's building the walls for God. And all of a sudden, here come the Sambalats, the Tobias, to try to get him off the wall, his purpose. Try to kill him. They want to kill him. 
And there's people that the enemy have sent to try to hear you, try to shut you down. But today we're praying that God would not only reveal these things, but send the right people into your life, strengthen you, encourage you. Let me tell you, now's the time to produce. If there was ever a time to produce, now's the time. It's time to increase. We are literally in the final five months of our year of divine possession, and it is time to produce like we never have. To see God do what he's never done in our lives, take us where we've never been, and give us what we've never had, in Jesus' name. So Father, I pray for every person that's watching today. I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen them. I pray that you would illuminate every relationship that is not of you. Every single one that the enemy sent, maybe ones that were hanging around to literally destroy their purpose, their call. And I pray, Lord, that you would give them an urgency and a a desire to produce in the kingdom of God. Let us be more productive in the final five months of this year than we ever have before in the mighty name of Jesus. I ask you, Lord, that you would use us mightily. I pray you'd open doors that nobody else could open. I pray that you would increase us like we've never been increased by the power of your spirit. Give us opportunities as Paul prayed, as Paul declared in in, in the New Testament, doors of opportunity that have opened up. Do the same for us, Lord. Let us run through in strength, in anointing, and in power. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you for that, and we give you praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. If you believe that, you receive it, throw some hands up today, and thank God. Thank God for what's about to take place in your life. Thank God for what's about to happen in these upcoming months that we're believing for the best we've ever had. In Jesus' name, best we've ever seen in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for it. It's coming to pass. Listen, don't forget, tomorrow and Thursday, Carolyn is going to be with me on the broadcast. Uh, We're doing a two-part series on marriage that you do not want to miss. Two things, or two days filled with nine things that will destroy or build up marriages. You do not want to miss this. It's tomorrow and Thursday at 1030 in the morning, Eastern time, same time as always. I'm going to give you an opportunity here at the end of the broadcast. If you've not sown a seed, I want to encourage you to sow a seed by faith and help as we're moving out to do what we've never done before. We're expanding this ministry, uh, going where we've never gone, doing what we've never done. Can I give you an, uh, 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 just a testimony? Our book on fasting and our book, Blood on the Door, uh, have already been, tra- the, the fasting book has already been translated into German now, just finished, and in Dutch, and we're getting ready to have it translated into Chinese and Spanish. And so we're going to have, and when the Chinese book is completed, it'll be distributed, about 10,000 copies will be distributed in China. And so one of my prayer points this year was that God would open up the doors that the books that I'm writing and that Carolyn's writing would go all over the world and touch people around the world with the gospel of Christ. So Dutch and German just got finished. Chinese is getting ready to start. Spanish is getting ready to start. And uh, it's gonna, and we're going to get all of our books done in that way. But I'm totally, I'm so excited that God's answering the prayers so quickly. Just to show you how God answers prayers, in one day, we got two separate emails after I started praying this, two separate emails from people that don't know each other offering to translate our books into German and Dutch on the same day. And uh, it was a sign to me that God's opening up the doors. So I'm so very excited about it. 
um, our books are going to go around the world, just like I've been praying and people are going to be touched and changed by the power of God. I'm telling you, you're sowing into a ministry that's going after this generation. For everybody that is sowing this month of August, we're going to send you Pastor Mark Hankins' book, The Bloodline of a Champion. This is about the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. About 350 pages of revelation. This is one of the things he teaches so masterfully, Pastor Mark Hankins. We want to send this to you for your seed that you're sowing in the month of August, The Bloodline of a Champion. When you sow your seed, go to miracleword.com forward slash offer and uh, please fill that form out so we know where we can mail this book uh, to you and uh, we'll get it to you as soon as possible. The Bloodline of a Champion, phenomenal book from a mighty man of God that we love very much. You can sow um, online, miracleword.com, uh, by credit card, debit card, but there's digital methods as well. If you want to use Cash App or Venmo or PayPal, Zelle, however you like to sow, you can even sow now by cryptocurrency. And so I say a big thank you to everybody that's uh, standing with Carolyn and me as we're going after this uh, final generation before Jesus comes. And uh, again, don't forget, there's a brand new episode of the Last Gen Podcast that's now available uh, on the subject of getting free from depression. And uh, Alex is covering a brand new study apparently that just came out uh, showing that uh, how demonic depression is. It's trying to overtake our generation. We're not allowing it. Coming against it in the name of Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Ghost. I love you guys so much. Thank you for hanging with me today. Don't miss tomorrow morning with Carolyn, Thursday morning with Carolyn and me as well. It's going to be great. Have a wonderful day, and I'll talk to you again very soon. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.